0: psychic radio is now cbs radio's the sky back to behind the paranormal with paul and ben eno call now 248-545-soul new sky radio.com
1: what are shadow people what's with all the strange lines in the sky lately how can you communicate
2: with trees are we seriously going to talk about that. All right, well, hello there, and welcome to the 308th broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Hino. and those u- unusual questions, I almost said usual questions, <laughs> from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So, we have no guests tonight, and it is going to be an open-line show. We'll be answering some pretty interesting questions from listeners and updating you on two of our ongoing cases since we've been gone for the last three weeks on this show. yeah. As always you're welcome to call in and, and numbers for tonight are 248-545-soul or 248-545-7685.
1: And certainly uh wanted to wish everyone a happy new year. It's this is our first live show of 2012 on this uh network. And uh we wanted to begin by giving you a bit of a um an update on our haunted policeman case in Vermont before we get to some emails. Uh, we've been working on this one for several years and it became clear from the beginning that we were dealing with a single parasite that was feeding off negative events that were taking place uh, conterminously or in a different parallel world, the seemingly occupying the same geographic area. One Uh, is an 18th century fight and subsequent death that I myself became aware of one night while investigating uh, the surrounding area, Uh, outdoor area that was. Uh, Another is an event that hasn't happened yet or may not happen at all in our own world stream. Uh, At times, the parasite would be hunting for food in the basement apartment where the police officer in question a single man with a girlfriend lived uh, his relationship with the girl was stormy and the parasite would threaten and uh, I should say strengthen and manifest itself uh, based on that uh, usually as a black hooded figure now uh, you can see a picture of that figure uh, in the ghosts of Vermont section at www.newenglandghosts.com that is uh our so, well, primary website, I yeah, guess, I'm, next I'm to behind the, the, the paranormal par- dot par- com. <laughs> I'm making the same mistake, everybody else. So. Yes. So, <laughs> so, in any case, uh, that black hooded figure, Ben himself, took that picture. The officer finally moved out, married the girl, and smoother sailing has resulted. In the meantime, someone else moved into the apartment, In the basement of the officer's uh, parents' home happens to be located. Uh which is why we have such easy access ourselves when we go to investigate this. And now the tenant has begun to notice the thing and here is the latest on that situation. Uh this is um from the owner of the property and uh Ben you can So read wait, wait, which part this one?
2: Yeah. Okay. Um so the owner of the property writes to us uh, Dick the, I, I'm assuming that's the new tenant new tenant saw the ghost the other day. He looked just like a real person, dressed in 1800 style clothes with button-up pants and a shirt with no collar. I think he was sitting on his couch looking up and saw and saw him. The ghost looked at him and turned around and went into the kitchen. Dick went to the kitchen and nobody was there.
1: All right, now th- this is, everybody's going to say, aha, it is your classic ghost. Well, sure it is. It's also the classic behavior for this mid-level parasite species. It does what many other creatures in nature do. Now, first of all, to assume that this really was an 18th century guy, or 19th century, or whatever, uh, and, and, and so it was human, and got up and saw you, and got up and walked away, uh, sure, that's possible. But knowing the background of this case, this is classic behavior in a uh, in in this mid level parasite species. It mimics, in other words, it does what a lot of other creatures in nature do. Uh, they 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 look like something else in order to attract prey. And notice, for example, the walking sticks that you'll see sometimes on the Discovery Channel. You know, sort of lumbering up the tree trunk, and then. Bird comes along, or whatever, or a bug rather, and doesn't know it's it's a you know what it is and gets eaten. That sort of thing. Uh, it, it pretends to be non-threatening uh, in a fellow human. When the human gets alarmed, uh, annoyed, or afraid, the parasite feeds off that, gains strength, and usually turns into something else. I see this all the time. Nothing in the paranormal is what it appears to be. That's one of the big mistakes people make. There is a narrow possibility, as I say, that in a place like this, where worlds blend, uh, an actual parallel world human might manifest. Sure, might have nothing whatsoever to do with the case, might never be seen again. But what makes me think that's unlikely is that this entity seemed to notice the tenant and apparently thought nothing of it. Usually, a human crossover wouldn't see the tenant at all, or if he did, would be frightened. We run into that all the time, too. They think we're ghosts. There are cases, however, where crossovers do see us as we are in their world, because we usually are in their worlds, too. It's all part of our multiverse, super life, as we call it. So um, these are all possible, but knowing the background of this case, this thing's just looking for another victim. And here's the new guy in town, and he's uh, set up to be a hot lunch. So this is what we're going to be working with. But anyway... This particular situation has parasite written all over it. Ben and I will be up there checking it out in a few weeks, and we hope at the same time while we're there to be giving a talk in one of the local venues. And so, stay tuned on that, especially if you live in northern. Oh, we're giving a talk too, northern Vermont. Yeah, I'm oh. working on that. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, I didn't know
2: that. Well, you're only my partner. What the heck do you know, right? Well, no, I didn't. I didn't know that. I knew we were going up there within the near future. Yeah, yeah, okay. Anyway, yeah,
1: so that that would, uh, yeah, know, would sort of economy of effort and get a few birds of one stone so to speak okay this is from this is an interesting question about shadow people, this is something that that, that comes up I'm surprised it doesn't come up more often and uh, it's from Richie Wagner in Bridgeport, Illinois, Ben don't yell at me he put it in for all to see on our Facebook page Uh, you can ask questions and and make comments through our show's Facebook page, most people contact us on our own respective Facebook pages but uh, the show does have one and you can certainly ask questions through that and uh, here is uh, what Richie has
2: to ask. Okay, so, Richie, uh, should I say Wagner or Wagner? Well, we'll, we'll Wagner, I would say. Wagner, okay. Mm-hmm. Va- Wagner just sounds fun. Yeah, from, uh, uh, from Bridgeport, Illinois, writes to us, Would you mind telling me your thoughts on shadow people? I ask because I have, I have had two interactive experiences with whatever they are, and pretty fight- frightening, if I must say. Both times involved late nights with computer equipment, and my thoughts have always been that electromagnetics in the places, uh, places I was in, contributed to the phenomena. I can tell you more if you are interested. Yeah, I've I have written to him and asked him to tell us more.
1: Certainly, want to have complete information. These people ask us things very often; they don't give us full information. Whenever we go, on, we go on cases, and we sit down and interview people for forty five minutes or an hour, and they still don't give us full information. Cause I don't know. Anyway, that that can be a problem. Shadow people. Well, I mean, the most obvious answer to our from our point of view is that uh, and, and they, they do come up very often. I remember in our case, uh, which is the in the dark case in in uh, footsteps in the attic. It's become I should say faces. Yeah, footsteps in the attic. It's become a pretty famous case, yeah. and uh, we are still very much around over there. We we uh, it's not far from here. We visit often, and that that case. Uh, had a lot of shadow people in it. matter of fact, these were pint-sized shadow people. Uh, the, the woman in the case would see the smaller... This is before you got involved. With it, yep. Smaller shadow people running around the kitchen and jumping around and all. And the question is, well, what are they? Well, there are a number of different explanations, just as there are for orbs. Yeah. What do you think? Well, What's, what's your most likely...
2: Well, one could say parasites, but um, as you pointed out, you always point out in your uh, presentations infrasonics could have something to do with it, too. I mean, this guy's around, a, like, a lot of computer equipment. Mm. You can tell, like, he's, like he says every time that he... Like, the the two interactive experiences he's had with them, they're around computer equipment. So electromagnetics could have something to do with it. As he says, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. which makes a lot of sense, because that does weird things with the boundaries, so to speak. So, someone could, mm. so it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a parasite. I mean, it could just be so, someone coming across that is... Um, Like, veil, it looks like. Veil, you remember always use the veiled, uh, so to speak You always it's use the like, metaphor of the curtain Yeah, yeah, like a curtain of You can't see stool, it like it really but, is in but, its own but but, 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 but The thing is, he was frightened by the experience Usually, if it was like a, a benign or Ben, uh, what's the word, uh, ben like oh, Benevolent, benign, yeah. benevolent, ben, benevolent Benign or benevolent, like, creature You wouldn't f- be afraid or you wouldn't feel like immense fear inside you, nerves, your stomachs all like, oh, don't do it, that kind of thing. Mm. So if if the gut feeling says that you're frightened by it, then that that trips off a few uh, red flags to me.
1: Yeah, well, it, it does. I mean, because you got to remember, you're like the Conan, in the Barbarian of the paranormal world. You, you you've never been afraid of anything. That's unusual. When people are afraid, uh, you're right. I mean, I think, I agree that that, that people can, uh, that, that that's one of the danger signs you might be dealing with something negative. On the other hand, uh, I'm thinking back to, uh, to the same in the dark case where, where the the woman in the early days of the case, where we I was getting to know her and she was talking about her terrible experiences as a very vulnerable person. Uh, she was the parasite victim in in this case. And when she was a child, for example, terrible things would happen. She... Would she found a, the, the dead body of of a childhood friend, and it was just awful, and I, I had at one point suggested that she call upon ancestors to help fight this parasite that was bothering her, yeah. and she said, well, I don't, I don't need any more ghosts, and i had never had that put to me that way before. She was frightened of everything that had to do with anything paranormal, mm. and of course, that's pretty much everything, but but she, uh I mean, she got over that, and she, and, and I just, as I say, never heard her put that way before. But so there, there are people who are just frightened of this whole thing. I mean, you and I, we know these things. We we have the numbers of these parasites, at least we think we do, and we walk right into these situations without
2: thinking about. Well, well I'm just you know, saying, like. Like, your instincts say a lot about what trauma you're experiencing. I mean, it it doesn't really matter if it's all paranormal phenomena or not. Yeah. I mean, what your gut instinct says is usually what you should go with. That's true. Very true. So
1: anyway, our friend is dealing with something that may, as you say, have something to do with electromagnetics. Uh, The only thing uh, I wonder about infrasonics, infrasonics is a situation where you have a, a sound wave that you can't really hear with your ears trapped in, say, a house. Yeah. That can be caused by anything... Something as simple as the, your stereo system or, or the wind passing in a certain angle over the peak of the building or anything like that. And it can literally trap what's called a standing wave in the house and it it, it can cause, so it is theorized, uh, basic paranormal phenomena. But I've never heard of an infrasonics case in which you interact with the phenomena. And he's saying there's interaction here.
2: Yeah, yeah, that, that's when I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not so, entirely
1: sure. But then, then the question arises, uh, infrasonics, uh, does it cause conditions that make you think paranormal phenomena are going, or does it somehow open doors between the worlds, thin the veils, so to speak, if you want to call it, you know, thin the boundaries, and allow things to happen that are real? I just, I, I'd have to talk to a, yeah, I know. I, I'd I have mean, to we, talk we,
2: to a quantum physicist about that. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't well, I,
1: they're, they're, I don't know. Some of them aren't even dealing with that, uh, on that level yet. But in any case, so that's that's another question. Over the shadow people, in my experience, Richie are uh, in most cases, in my opinion, my judgment. I say Ben might disagree. Uh, people from they're 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 they're, they're classic ghosts. They're, they're people going about their business in their own worlds, physically just as much as we are. Uh, whether they see us is another question, and we see them through uh, the curtain, as it were, the electromagnetic curtain of. A world boundary, and they might come across as something very different from what they actually look like in their own worlds. They're probably just as physical. They have been, I have had physical contact with a number of entities of this kind that people would ordinarily think are "quote unquote" spirits, and I think that's essentially what it is. But I then like then I've,
2: to, I've heard other stories of people saying that they were parasites too. Well, yeah. You know, as a matter of fact, before this got so complicated,
1: back when this is a real seat of the pants operation with me. The first, one of the first things I used to look for was what color is this thing coming across? And whenever it would be, you know, black or de- deeply black, sometimes people would describe shadows that were blacker than black. Uh, funny, m- much like the astronauts would describe outer space. Yes. Uh, very often it turned out to be parasites or d- 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 At the time we were calling them demons. I'm talking, you know, 30 years ago. Mm. So. As a result, um, th- this is something I'd, I'd say we agree we need more information about.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. If, we, if we have more details on it, yeah. Would... So, uh, by all means,
1: Richie, uh, send us more details on this. But uh, these are all the possibilities that we can kind of see as, as being uh, could, as a sort of could be kind of scenarios in your situation. So it's only yeah. speculation. Yeah, it is because you know unless we're there, it's, it's hard to say. Yeah. Okay. Here's one. Oh, you, you want to avoid the tree thing? I'll talk about it. Okay, all right. I mean, I think people... people uh, I was just like, why? What about that? I don't know. Don't ask you. Ask, ask uh, Maria from San Diego, California. Hey, Maria.
2: Uh, hi, guys. Your show is great and really unusual. I'm really interested in how Ben talks to trees. How does that work? And what are they like? Well, you're actually the one who taught me how to talk to trees. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, it's it's uh, Everything is alive. Yes. And also... My mentor, uh, Aztec shaman, taught taught me how that and taught me how to talk to trees, sort of, and other people who were natives who were into well, not, I wouldn't say shamanism, but like who were medicine men and things like that, and were like, hey, talking to trees is always important, so you know where to pitch your tents and stuff, where to hunt, blah blah blah, and trees. They all have different personalities like we do, and some of them are varied, some don't like people, some do, some are very wise, some aren't, and people think, oh, they're trees, they're probably really smart and really old, well, most of the trees that are in New England are actually fairly young, because of, because most of the, most everything was cleared for farming and stuff, and now that everything's just going back. It's true. It's, they're... Second growth. Yeah, yeah, it's a second growth, and they're still kind of young, and... Yeah, it, trees, I don't know how to describe how you talk to a tree. Usually you just quiet your mind, put your hand on the tree, and express some sort of respect towards said tree. Oh, wait one minute. Okay, one minute. And you express some, some sort of respect towards that tree, as I mentioned, and then usually they'll be like, uh, they'll give you some sort of advice or whatever you ask, like where is a good place to fish, or use, usually practical things like that. Unless you're me and you don't ask practical questions, but <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, trees are very interesting critters.
1: Uh, well, we come back from our break, I'll tell you, the f- I guess it must be probably the first thing I told you about that. Yes. Okay, and uh, it might be a little bit revealing. Okay, you were listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Hino on CBS New Sky Radio, newskyradio.com. We'll be right back and continue our open line show with many and varied questions about the paranormal. Stay with us.
3: The earth wait birds and snakes an airplane Linny Bruce is not a-
0: radio's the sky back to behind the paranormal with paul and ben eno call now 248-545-soul new skyradio.com believe and
1: we're back behind the paranormal with no guests tonight we're just talking about various questions people have sent in and you're welcome to call is the guy who sounds just like Nick Pope said, the, that phone number, and in the meantime, I wanted to, re- the question we're dealing with right now is how to how to talk to trees, sounds kind of extreme and fringe, but you know, when you live in the multiverse, everything is alive, everything has uh, has uh, energy and, and has consciousness and it uh, becomes totally normal to do things like that. Anyway, I kind of was, um, I don't know, what, my 20s, I suppose, walking, I, I always loved to walk through the woods and always would do so with great respect. And uh, I found out early on that when you, when you sit down or, or even just stand up and lean with your back against the tree, particularly, particularly your spine, uh, there seems to be, um, an, an, I don't know, communication opening that can occur. And when you're open-minded and, and of good, good intention, uh, I learned that you could literally talk to trees that way. It became part of my spirituality. And I taught Ben that when he was growing up to always have respect for these things and one of the first things i taught both my sons was not to tear leaves off trees let's say uh you know how would you like to have somebody come up to you and tear one of your fingers off and they'd both go <gasps> you know so yeah anyway so that was that was how that began and then ben picked it up very well and ben being of a, a sort of uh with the abilities that he has has a, certainly a perfected a, that art and if you wanted to say any more about um to answer the question, I guess uh, I would just say the back thing. Also, uh, I find that uh, putting uh, your, your uh, well, I guess what is commonly known in New Age folklore as the the power hand, which yeah. for most people is the right hand,
2: it is the power hand. Oh, you never heard? Okay, no, you're still. an innocent. I know. I know what a power animal is, just from reading Fight Club. But
1: yeah, <laughs> well, no, you, you put your your right hand in my case, anyway, up up to the tree bark. And you feel the life of the tree, and there's somehow, at least with me, that that makes a connection. Some trees don't want to have anything to do with you. Most are pretty good-spirited. We have a wonderful one just outside our house. It's very protective. And um, Ben's mom, who is a little more conventional than we are, says, oh, we should take down this or that limb remember we did take down a few but the tree didn't mind. that was unusual and uh, you know unless uh, there be because we have a lot of storms and we live on a hill and a lot
2: of wind and it could collapse upon- yeah, between the last like three storms and the power going out for yeah days. well
1: that's what you have insurance for Just hopefully we won't be standing in that particular room when the thing comes down yeah. but it's, uh, it's a lot stronger tree than it seems it's got a strong spirit and, uh, you know, as, as I say, uh, I have an academic uh, scholarly background. It may seem silly to have me talking about trees, but I don't care if it sounds silly. It's true. What's silly is our mass society in which we deny the power of just about everything. Band-maker. Except things that don't matter. Anyway. It's like the power of dishwashers and TV yeah. and foosball. So I tried the back of the hand thing there. Back or the hand thing. Thing to answer our, our listener there. Here's a question about a rocking chair, and this is from Jordan in Washington, Missouri. Washington, Missouri.
2: Hello, Jordan. Writes, hi, Paul and Ben. I know you're used to dealing with dramatic haunting? So this or dramatic hauntings. So this one will seem a little calm by your own by your usual standards. We live in an old house by the Missouri River, and have this rocking chair that keeps rocking. Like twelve hours out of every day with nobody in it. <laughs> <laughs> no none of us dare sit in the chair, which uh, used to belong to my grandmother. I know you will a- you will ask if there are any other signs of a haunting in the house, and there are absolutely none. There are no fans or ventilation systems nearby uh, to cause the rocking either. What do you think of you think about all this?
1: Well, that's an interesting question, Jordan. You certainly anticipated that question. Are there anything else going on? And apparently there's absolutely nothing else happening. Now, well, you do hear of this now and then, when you mentioned where you live, the first thing I thought of was the New Madrid Fault and the seismic stuff that that is going on in your vicinity or could go on in your vicinity and has, (laughs) heaven forbid. Yeah, Um, I I just don't um, think that, that just one chair would be rocking unless it's perfectly balanced. I would try... If you dare uh, moving it uh, from one part of the room to another and see what happens with that i mean i don 't know how long it 's been in the same place you don 't mention that, so I would try that uh, I would uh, also suggest that you might want to um, well i 'm not going to suggest using any of these silly ghost hunting things i mean that that's uh, that 's often pointless and doesn't really mean anything the readings you get on emf man. as i was was going to suggest i was going to wonder if, if if you have a digital electromagnetic field meter and the uh reading goes into the negative range that in certain circumstances in my experience can mean that the polarity on the electrical field is reversed which means it's bringing in energy from a parallel reality across the boundary but that that I mean that happens all over the place, all the time, anyway. So I don't know if that would mean anything. I just uh, um, think it's very interesting. You you may very well have a piece of furniture that is the subject of, of, of one of the things that uh, I have talked about here and there, including on the Travel Channel, and that was that objects can be "quote unquote" haunted. The question is why. Well, objects uh, are part. Of, if someone somewhere in the multiverse loves a table or there's an old family heirloom uh it's a material object but there again there really is no such thing as an inanimate object it's part of their life uh of their their consciousness wave as 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 a physicist might call it this wave spreads out across the multiverse embraces many different worlds where this person lives and in many of those worlds this person has this object so There seems to be something about moving certain objects or fooling with them or putting them somewhere else that seems to affect this consciousness wave. And uh, the person who loves it or the people or or other objects may become partially evident through it. I don't think the person who you might uh, think is manifesting really realizes it, or maybe they do, I don't know. But this seems to be something uh, that does occur. And again, I don't think that the the thing is haunted by the ghost of the person and all this bloning. I think that it is simply attached to the person's consciousness wave, and that when somebody else fools with it, it can make a, a wave within the wave and, and can create uh, some manifestations in your house. In your case, just the rocking chair. Whether it's anything to do with your grandmother, that's possible. Uh, I don't know if she lived in the same house, but we'll we'll just. Uh, have to see uh, what else develops. So yeah, anything, anything changes, keep us posted. But I'd suggest move, move the chair to different parts of the room and see if the same thing happens. If you haven't done that already, so we'll just we'll leave it at that. And thank you, uh, thank you for writing. I just hope they can touch it.
2: So they, they Well, I mean, to sit sit.
1: yeah, I mean, there's no reason to be afraid of a chair,
2: I mean, even if it is you're moving a, by itself. Unless you're a cat.
1: Yeah, it's a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Yeah. Right, right yeah, true. Well, presumably he wrote to us. He's not a cat. Because with our cats, you never know. Uh, all right. This is from, oh, our good friend Todd Banks. Now, Todd Banks is uh, known to our longtime listeners. Todd has been a guest on the show. He is a perfect example of a, of a uh, really uh, marvelous guy who was living uh, the multiverse life, as we always suggest people can develop uh, in a healthy way uh, to do. So he's been doing that. And he's also... Kind of uh, one of our uh, operatives, so to speak, in Central Connecticut, where a lot of interesting things going on uh, are going on, particularly in the skies. Uh, he is in touch with Donna, who was well known to you as a show reporter, and also as a person in one of the most interesting cases that I've ever dealt with. And this has to do with uh, the uh, what we call Connecticut Skinwalker Ranch, you know, a place where all sorts of worlds seem to converge and all kinds of crazy things happen, including. Uh something that other people may know about who are doing some research there apparently at uh, possibly under you know, I don't know underground base, as goofy as that sounds. Uh we've run into all kinds of things that you've heard it on, on in past shows. So anyway, uh we had talked with, with Todd about uh some lines in the sky and why don't we we're going to take another break here actually and we'll come right back with what Todd had to say just as we were we were we were talking there. Anyway, we are listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio com. We're having an open line show tonight, answering all sorts of questions from Facebook pages and from emails and all sorts of different things, so feel free to participate. We'll be right back. <music>
4: I'll tell you one thing, it's always better when we're together Mm, It's always better when we're together Yeah, we'll look at them stars when we're together Well, it's always better when we're together Yeah, it's always better when we're together sleep, in I when, and when I wake up you look so pretty sleeping next to me but there is not enough time and there is no no song I could sing and there is no combination of words I could say but I will still tell you one thing we're better together
0: Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOLVE. New com. Believe.
1: And speaking of the sky, there have been a lot of strange things going on there lately, particularly in Central Connecticut and many other areas, where people have seen not only odd lights, but lines literally being traced in the sky. And we we were... um, thinking of Sky Phenomena, when we got this note from Todd Banks, our good friend and a, an associate sort of of the show and a former guest. And he uh, happened to be talking to us on the phone about some um, some of these matters, and he hung up, and then all of a sudden he wrote this.
2: All right. Uh, hey, guys. I hope that you and your family had a wonderful holiday. Thank you. Um, I'm not sure if either of you have gotten a chance to check out Linda's most recent... Oh, no, that's the wrong thing. Did I oh. give you the wrong... I, I, don't, I don't know. Oh, no, right here. Oh, that? Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. Hi, guys. As soon as I hung up on the phone with you, <coughs> I got a text from my wife. She just saw a massive triangle fly over Route 95 near Fairfield and West- slash Westport area. Hope you guys have a great night.
1: Yeah, the sky there seems to be very active with these triangle uh, craft that everybody seems familiar with. they're also... Uh, he is reporting, Todd is reporting, and Donna is reporting black helicopters, unmarked, black or dark green helicopters, unmarked, uh, flying uh, in the area to and from a certain spot that Ben and I have investigated, and um, there's a long story there. Anyway, that seems to be going on. So, if any, so we are interested in communications from anyone who has seen these sorts of things in the central Connecticut area. And also, uh, moving on to other things that have been seen, which are these lines in the sky. I'm not talking about the chemtrails that people are talking about, and we're going to do a show on that, by the way, but also events that, that they seem to be lights that seem to be tracing things in the sky. Now, when, when we were talking with Todd, he was describing uh, a light that, that he thought was a star. Uh, now, of course, as any astronomer will tell you, a star will twinkle and a planet will not, simply because the... Uh, uh, of the interference of the atmosphere and, and the, the nature of the, the the way the light comes from the stars, yeah. as opposed to planets, which are much closer and uh, do not um, uh, are just reflecting the sun. So, he thought this was a, a planet, very large, and, but it started to move you know, unmistakably. Sometimes, if you stare at it, it looks like it is moving, uh, but but it started to move rapidly, and then trace certain a pattern in the sky that he could not make out and this uh, whether it's some sort of uh, attempt to communicate somehow i don't I mean, who knows i mean this seems to be a new phenomenon so if anyone has any reports of this yeah no, i have never heard anything like that before yeah it's, i mean it's, it's just, just when you think you've heard everything if anyone has reports of this sort of thing there's uh, more it's stuff that can
2: confuse you. Well,
1: listen, well there are a lot of photographs around and uh, one thinks of some of the orb photographs that we've obtained uh, where they are, seemingly, when you have a little, bit, a little bit of a time exposure there, they seem to be moving in ways that, that trace certain figures. Maybe it's random, I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, That that's uh, a question yet to be answered. So we're interested in hearing more about that, if anyone else has uh, some stuff on that. Uh, here's a question from Megan M. in Seattle about poltergeist.
2: Okay, so Megan writes, Hi, Paul and Ben. I'm crazy about your show and you have recently clarified my thoughts on many things paranormal and spiritual. My question is about poltergeists. Paul, I've recently read your book Faces at the Window and the story about the poltergeists, uh, the poltergeists that broke the rules and it really scared and it really scared me. How many cases have you had where poltergeists affect more than one house? Uh what does that say about the old theories of poltergeists and the agent quote unquote? as as if, as if uh, also, if you have poltergeist stuff going on, how do you tell if it's coming from your house or family or a neighbor and thanks for your time oh okay,
1: kind of a complicated question there and about poltergeist now poltergeist of course as ev- as every school child knows is the german two German words uh, meaning noisy spirit and of course we they certainly can be noisy, but I don't think they're spirits. Uh, the common definition of a poltergeist in modern parapsychology, and we, we were going over this with, uh, Professor, uh, Andrew, Dr. Andrew Nichols, who was going to be back on the show in a few weeks about another subject. Cool. And he's, uh, we rather liked him. He was, uh, he's a real, genuine parapsychologist with a real degree, and, uh, we had some interesting talks about poltergeists. He had, uh, yeah, we both, uh, I think, learned a little bit from, from that. And uh, he, he was uh, open, although somewhat skeptical of our opinion, that poltergeists are actually parasites that have gotten to the point where they're so strong they can manifest uh, very, very vividly and dramatically and sometimes dangerously in
2: our physical world. So then when world. we up the argument on our end that what if if we are all things in all places, then couldn't we, in fact, be a parasite? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's the, that's part of the problem
1: exactly so but to answer the, the and also the case that that is being referred to here uh is the one in the faces at the window is is the, the where the, the poltergeist that broke the rules is the name of the chapter and it has to do with the poltergeist that I dealt with in uh Bridgeport uh not Bridgeport in uh Bristol Connecticut uh, about a year after the notorious Bridgeport case, in which I had a physical altercation with one of these things, and the child was thrown around the room and all this stuff was going on, and I was injured by uh, television set and all this business. This was about a year later and this uh, involved uh, it was i, I thought, this is how I really began to suspect that these things affect larger areas than just one house and one family. I was called in by the family of a um, of a, uh, a, a fellow who was a prominent radio personality in the uh, Hartford area at the time, and uh, they these were friends of theirs and lived in the the newest house, one of the newest houses in a new subdivision that was being built around an old farm. And the woman would describe a number of experiences, such as uh, having um, looking out her window and seeing a a. a sort of dark, shadowy, almost, I think a shadow people, moving across this field in broad daylight. Uh, So we might say a shadow person. And uh, then there would be growling and red eyes peering out from under their furniture. Uh, The children were frightened, needless to say. Uh, The husband uh, was a 9-to-5 kind of guy who wasn't home during the day and was... uh, even even he had experiences. And this uh, essentially got was really negative. So by the time I went in there, she said, I think it's coming from across the street. And across the street was just this field and this broken down building. So they, the, the, the guys were trying to tear down this old shed. And they refused to continue to work there because they felt hands around their necks. And uh, they just wouldn't go back there. And I, I actually got in contact with some of them later. And they they uh, said that that was, well, at least the foreman said that was true. So in any case, I said, "Huh, this really is weird. Interesting. Yeah. Don't Why? you ever read my books? No. Uh, okay, great. My own son. Then I walked across the street and I ran right into this wall of electromagnetic energy. Uh, There's something Ben and I are very familiar with uh, today. You, you, Were there you, high
2: water tables over there,
1: or like weird? Well, it's was before I things. knew any of that stuff about oh, water tables. Okay, so uh, it was just it was an open field with this old place, and I did some research. Actually, uh, our friend uh, uh, Joseph Latender from uh, Chicago, uh, well, those Connecticut at the time, uh, dear friend to this day, who was in, involved in the uh, Village of Voices case, one of the one of the witnesses to that, yeah, uh, in the early '70s. Uh, was helping uh, me on this and did some historical research and found out that this place had been uh, the a very negative place had been uh, the scene this old shed of uh, prohibition uh, problems in the in the nineteen twenties and thirties so if someone had been uh, shot there all sorts of negative things were going on it oh was, yeah you know you name it and it was uh, going on there so that was uh, one indication to us at the time may have attracted while well, in, in, at the time we were thinking of demons I, I, the term parasite I wasn't using yet. But in any case, you'd feel this wall there. Uh, photographs uh, showed what looked like a child hunched over, looking into a into a puddle. Although I mean, it was someone's junk piled around there. It's easy. To, yeah, it's you know, easy. Yeah, photo like, experts didn't make
2: one thing of it. Was it at night or no?
1: No, it was, a journal, so it was all broad daylight. Ah. So I went over to so, uh, the, I was going to say it
2: could be moonlight.
1: Yeah, well, again, well, well, well there was more to it than that. Uh, the, the, there was a house next to this shed. Where that was occupied was the old house from the farm, and a woman lived there with her son. And the woman in the house, uh, the, the people who had contacted me, who were having these problems with the eyes and all this stuff, uh, were saying that this house was uh, was really strange, and the woman was really strange. But that the, the son would ride his bike, and the kids would make the new kids in the, this subdivision would make fun of him, and uh, the woman they they call her oh she's an old witch and all this blowing. So uh, she went over there and invited the woman to come over for, for tea uh, to, the new, to her new house, which was right across the street. And we're coming up on another break here, so we'll continue this story uh, shortly because it gets even more interesting. And you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS News Sky Radio, newskyradio.com.
5: Stick with us. Thursday is a power-packed day here on the sky. Join us at noon for the I'm Thankful Network. At 1 p.m., it's the Dr. Pat Show. At 4 p.m., Colette Baron Reed takes the stage for the Colette Baron Reed Show. The Colette Baron Reed Show, where intuition, practical spirituality, great advice, a little woo-woo fun, and fabulosity meet. Colette Baron Reed is an internationally renowned intuitive counselor, educator, and best-selling author who helps others recognize and connect with their own intuition, potential, and purpose. Powerful motivational speaker, charismatic broadcast personality, and acclaimed performer, storyteller, and recording artist, Colette uses her extraordinary spiritual gifts to empower her clients to live a life that is awake and authentic, and to create a reality that is spiritual, Deliberate and meaningful. Call in early. The lines are hot. 248-545-7685. Instant feedback at newskyradio.com. New Sky Radio. Newskyradio.com. New Horizons, no boundaries. Powered by CBS, Yahoo, and radio.com.
0: Geek Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com.
1: And we're back and we're talking about a case that by book faces at the window that is uh, prompted by a poltergeist question from someone here that who was uh, kind enough to write in. And uh, the case in, in Bristol, Connecticut... She was talking about that she had read about in the book. uh, frightened her because of the possibility uh, and probability of poltergeists affecting more than one household. And this is the case in which I first learned that 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 can occur. So uh, here we are in Bristol, Connecticut. It's 1975, and the uh, old shed was being torn down. The uh, men refused to work on it because they felt uh, hands around their neck and all this business and the woman in the new house uh, on the block there across the street from this area uh, felt sorry for the woman in the house next to the shed because uh, she had been was being picked on by the neighborhood children lived by herself with just just with her son and uh, this sort of thing so invited her over for tea she uh, <clears throat> uh, actually uh, actually yeah she invited her over for tea and they had tea and that's when the strange things started happening in the in the new house, the the people who uh, got in touch with me about this. And then uh, she uh, was going to return the favor, and uh, she went over to the house, uh, the older house there across the road, and she described to me how an ashtray picked itself up, uh, floated through the air to the other side of the room, and set itself down again. And the woman uh, who owned the house thought nothing of it and said, Oh, no, don't worry, that's only the ghost. So... (laughs) So needless to say, the, uh, the woman never went back there, but the damage apparently was done, and this uh, whatever this poltergeist situation was had sort of expanded to uh, her house. And I say a poltergeist because it seemed to be a very powerful, uh, fr- from our perspective today, describe it as a very powerful parasite that had gained so much strength that it could have tremendous physical uh, um, expression, I guess, in, in our world. Now, what happened to me at this place, the first thing that happened to me was that I had encountered this and, and gone and checked this out, this area and uh, on my first trip <clears throat> I spent quite a bit of time there, did all these interviews came back and I had my old 1968 Ford Fairline with the white vinyl top and had seen better days already <clears throat> and it was uh, all of a sudden we were coming around a, I was coming around a corner and the door, the passenger door flew open and all the Ben can testify that my vehicles to this day are not necessarily the cleanest things going. Yeah. All the papers and all the junk went flying out of this uh, of the car, and I had to stop, pick it all up, and it was, uh, it was really pain in the neck. So the following evening, I was at the house house of Ed and Lorraine Warren, the well known, especially on the East Coast, uh, par- probably the grandfather and grandmother of ghost hunting as we know it today. And uh, there were a bunch of um, prominent, uh, what there were at the time, uh, paranormal types, mostly psychics and things. Again, this was not a big uh, hobby at the time, and a lot of people weren't doing it. So usually the people who were doing it were older and had some experience doing whatever they were doing. Uh, my good, One of my good friends there was a psychic. We didn't agree on much, but we, we were good friends. And she uh, said that what was happening was that there was a young boy, the ghost of a young boy, who uh, named Jeremy, they always get the name, uh, who was, uh, had been confined in this shed that be, was being torn down at some point in the past, and he had been, uh, sensed that I was a, a, a sensitive type of person. I, I had worked with retarded children in, uh, My course of life in the seminary and stuff and uh, he sensed that because he was retired himself and uh, came with me or tried to come with me in the car when we left. Uh, I've had that sort of thing happen although it's never been from what I can see a human entity it's always been a parasite and in this case at the time today I would say it had sort of parasite written all over it and so as a result uh, I kind of took what uh, was being said with a grain of salt although I understood the Principle. But in any case, this uh, this turned out to affect uh, three or four different houses in this subdivision, and neighbors uh, <clears throat> fortunately knew each other well enough so they could talk about it. And we had a conference uh, of uh, the people, and we worked out th- this sort of thing. And we were going to try to have um, uh, some of them. Most of them were Roman Catholics, and we had priests come in and bless the places. And, th- and that's pretty much how we we ended. It did seem to rather to somewhat dissipate. Because the woman ended up moving away uh from the older house, and that uh essentially seemed to help the energies kind of dissipate here and uh whatever it was there but there were poltergeist for them nothing like I'd seen the previous year in bridgeport but uh furniture had been moving around, and of course you have these uh growling and stuff under under the um, uh furniture and all this business so it um was not the best organized case i've ever had I got some interesting photos from it and you can uh, find out some more about that at uh, the connecticut page at the new england com. ghosts of connecticut and that's doing the com. okay thank you so there we have that uh so uh, again with the poltergeist situation i would say the best defense of course is what we always say is bringing in positive energy to misplace or displace or prevent the arrival of negative energy and so I would just say there's no reason to be frightened of this sort of thing there are energies that are interacting all the time that are paranormal and the negative stuff um, is, is something that our instincts know about if you go into a house, or if you're, especially if you're looking at a new house, or you're going into a neighborhood uh, where you know you're just visiting, and you have a, a negative feeling, or you have a feeling that you don't like a certain place, or, you know, then then don't don't hang out there. Uh, there are reasons why uh, your instinct tells you this. Yes, and you also bring in positive energy. Keep keep things in your family happy and and uh, holy as, as you can. And you will, won't have uh, really any trouble. Nothing can touch you if you have that positive energy and you stick together. As I always t- tell my sons, uh, make sure you always laugh but not at each other. There. <laughs> okay, so, Ben, any comment uh, on, uh, on that situation? No, it's considering we don't have a lot of time left. No, okay. All right, well, let's just uh, do our announcements. Uh, well, very quickly. Uh, our good friend uh, Murray Silver, who is probably one of the most popular guests on the show, is uh, doing a Muscular Dystrophy Association charity lockup on Wednesday, March seventh, and you can make a donation for his bail, quote unquote. Uh, okay, that will yeah, uh, quote unquote uh, that will be his goal is thirty two hundred dollars. Um, I will give you the address four six zero two Sussex Place, Savannah, Georgia three one four zero five. Uh, Murray Silver is the person, and you can make checks payable to the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Anything you can contribute would be appreciated. So, again, if you live in southeastern New England, Ben and I are teaching again our course at the Providence Learning Connection, Exploring the Paranormal. And that'll begin February 4th, Saturday, February 4th. Check it February out. February 11th. Uh, February 11th, you're right, sorry. Uh, check it out at, at uh, southcoastlearning.org. Uh, also okay. check out my books on, uh, including what we talked about tonight Barnes and Noble Nook, eReader, and Kindle. And
2: uh, check out our site behind the paranormalcom So many thanks to our producer Will Kosnick, and we'll see you next Sunday, January fifteenth. To my dad and I will welcome N I T A. Nita Hackett. Oh, sorry, I thought I, I'm <laughs> you don't sorry. Have to spell the guest name. I'm sorry. No, no. I thought, <laughs> it, I thought it was an abbreviation for something like NASA. Right. So, so Nita Hickett, uh forty year exorcist and astral healer, in her words. In the meantime, tune into our New England Drive Time show on W O N twelve forty a m and com at 6 p.m. Eastern Time every Monday. You can always get free podcasts of all our shows along with show schedules and guest information at www.behindtheparanormal.com.
1: Okay, so you can talk some faster, Ben. Uh, We leave you with a thought from the 20th century American journalist Hugh Seidey. Quote, a sense of humor is needed armor. Joy in one's heart and some laughter on one's lips is a sign that the person down deep has a pretty good grasp of life, unquote. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time.